Sports Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Wood. Thank you for joining us today on this Thursday morning. And as promised, we got part two of the NBA season preview, breaking down the next three teams that we think has the best chance at winning the winning the championship, winning the title this year in the NBA 2021-2022 season. We gave you the first three teams that we thought were going to be able to win or have a chance to win in last week's podcast. So as promised, this is part two. The three teams we did last week was Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and the Lakers. And so those are the first three teams that we have up. we got three more for you today. We'll break that down, kind of give you an outlook on how these team seasons are going to go, what to look for especially. And then uh, this isn't going to be the last part of the preview. It'll be a little bit shorter next week, though, when it comes to the the season preview. Next week's kind of just going to be the – predictions on how we think some of these teams are going to shake out we'll give you who our prediction is for the nba mvp mvp all the awards and then also give you a title prediction on who we think is going to win it this year obviously there's a lot that's got to happen there's 82 games in an nba season and that's not including playoffs so there's a lot to come a lot that can happen injuries anything can happen that you don't know mid-season trades there's obviously going to be a lot of that so a lot can change but you're just going to give you something to kind of think on and who we you know have been keeping up with and who we think's got the best shot so that'll be next wednesday but for this wednesday i mean for this thursday excuse me we're going to be doing the next three teams up and this week we got phoenix and miami and atlanta so that's the three teams that i see could potentially have a shot later on this year when we get down the road to March, April, where playoff seating shaking up, where I see these teams that could be competitive. So we'll have that, and then after that, we'll break down some political stuff that's been going on, some news that's going to, like I said, I try to keep this stuff separate when it comes to just sports and just politics. But like I said, every once in a while, some of this stuff, it kind of bleeds the line in between there. And when that happens, I can... I kind of try to put it right in the dead center between it, so it kind of gives me a leeway. So this is one of those days where something's going to kind of play both sides. It's going to transition over. And uh, so, like I said, just expect that at that point. So that's when that's coming up. But uh, just wanted to give everybody a heads up. Not, I mean, I know for some people it's probably not a big deal. They still want to be able to hear it and all that. But I do that for the people that obviously just want to come and listen to sports or the people that just want to come listen to politics. So that's obviously up to you, but... That's what we do here. That way we can keep it separate for you. But obviously we like to talk about both of it because one's fun to talk about. The other one definitely needs awareness. So that's why we do it. We're continuing continuing to push back against the two cultures that they've presented, trying to make sports more fun, just sports. And then, like I said, keep politics where we can bring awareness to it, but also try to make sure we do it in a way that can also help present solutions and be able to make it where people can come and actually get real news and not just a I mean, obviously, we'll give you my opinion on it as well. But at the same time, though, we want to make sure that you're up to date on what's actually going on. And we'll try to give you the 
the breakdown on what's really going on and not what the, just not just what the media wants you to know is happening. So, like I said, that's what we do here. If you've been listening for a while, you understand that. If you haven't been listening and this is your first time, that's what we do here. We hope you enjoy it. But with that said, let's get right into it. So, first up, like I said, we got the Phoenix Suns for the NBA 2021-2022 season preview. Got the Phoenix Suns, and for them, if you kept up with the season last year, we all know that they made it to the NBA Finals. Played the Milwaukee Bucks, got up 2-0. Everybody thought they were going to shock the world and be able to win the series and then drop four in a row and ended up losing, giving Milwaukee their first title and giving Giannis, I mean, not Milwaukee their first title, but giving Giannis his first title at Milwaukee, giving some of those other players their first title. So, obviously, whoever won this series was getting their first titles, you know, in some players. Chris Paul, this would have been his first one. It was his first NBA Finals. Obviously, it would have been Devin Booker's first, DeAndre Ayton's first. So, that was a, it was definitely a fun matchup. It was one of the more fun NBA playoffs last year that we were able to see, having some different teams be able to compete that deep in the playoffs. So that's what we're kind of hoping for somewhat this year. But obviously you like to see some of the heavy hitters get in there. and what, That's who we really talked about last week. But teams we got this week are some teams that can really shake stuff up that I think have potential. But Phoenix is definitely one of them, and that's why I got them up at number four. Right now I got so far that we've gone through. I had Milwaukee first, their defending champs, and then I had Brooklyn Brooklyn's on some shaky ground, like I said in that one, because it was just kind of dependent on how Kyrie Irving, how that situation shakes out, and we'll have an update for for you at the end of this this uh, season preview part and uh, talk about that. And then after that, we had the Lakers, and obviously we're looking forward to see how they do this season. And so now we got Phoenix, and for them, not really too much has changed. They bring in pretty much their core back with. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. So for for me, I definitely think with the way that Monty Williams has done there, I think they'll be able to to really just get right back into the you know the thick of it. And they'll uh, they definitely got experience now. I think that's a part that really helps them. You had young guys like Devin Booker and Ayton who hadn't been to that point. Also, you know other players on that team that just you know haven't been even to the playoffs for that matter. Made it made it all the way to the finals, and so you basically get all your I would say experience your understanding of what's going to happen just like that, like all in that, that, that run. So that's really good. They know the finals experience. They know conference final experience. They have, you know, second round, first round. They have all that now. They understand what their goal is. They understand how to handle it, handle that pressure. And so here you are, second go round, and it's time to see what they got. But for them, they, I mean, like I said, it's just I really see them having a good year. I think they'll be able to bounce back because I think they're – Definitely going to want to have another shot at it. Chris Paul, he's getting a year older. And I think that's, for them, that's something that they definitely have to worry about because even at his older age, where he's at now in his late 30s, and you're seeing that he's still being able to play at a high level. But as we're seeing with all players, and we've seen with all players, once they get older, you're starting to see drops in their you know their games and how they play. But it's still a little bit different than I'd say it was back in the back in the older days. There's, I mean, obviously it's less physical, but at the same time, though, you're seeing a lot more smart, cerebral players that can understand the game, can pick their spots, really can just dominate a game with just their minds. And I think that's what Chris Paul is, and I think that's what he brings to this team. So, obviously, I think they're very aware that their window for Chris Paul being there and being able to play at the level he's at is getting smaller and smaller. So if they're going to do it, it's got to be within, I'd say, the next two years for that. Now, I mean, I'm not saying that I think there's going to be a huge drop-off. There's not, but, I mean, there was even games where Chris Paul was able to get a 40 and 10 at some, you know, I think one time during the playoffs last year. I mean, I know he did it. I can't remember exactly what game it was, but uh, so you have him doing that still. So, I mean, if he can 
obviously he's doing that last year. You know he's still got playing ability. He's still got some time left. So you really can't wait, though, for them. I mean, like I said, you only got a short window here. I'd say about the next two years, it's either going to be this one or the next one if they're going to be able to do it. And I think a lot of that just depends on the pro- the progression and the, the maturation of their two other stars and Booker and Aiton. Devin Booker, obviously, he stepped up all playoffs. He looked good. Stepped rise up to the occasion, you know, hitting big-time shots. Aiton did the same thing, played like a true big man, really dominated the paint. But for them, they got to – I mean, obviously, we know – that they're good players. We know they took their game to another level last year. But now you're looking at teams that are going to be stacked like L.A. in the West. And then now if you even make it to the finals, you got a team like Brooklyn in the East. They all got players. And we know they're all going to be able to play. They're going to be able to throw different guys at you. And you got to be able to rise up and step your game up to those type of those type of players' level. And so for them, it's about taking that next step. Now, Devin Booker, we already know he's already an all-star. He's a superstar in the NBA. We know this. But I'm interested to see if he can finally maybe take his game to that MVP caliber level because he's got all the potential, he's got all the talent, he's got all the skills that's needed to do that. It's just about putting it all together. Like I said, now he's got that experience. This may be the year he can finally do that. And like I said, for Aiton, he had that experience last year. He really grew up, I'd say, in the playoffs and how his game matured, being able to play like a true big man. I mean, he's always been a true big man, but he just definitely looked the part, understood his role more last year in the playoffs, and so for him, if he can continue to grow that part of his game, maybe be able to hit that mid-range shot a little bit better, they're going to be in business when it comes to that, so I definitely look forward to see how this team's going to be able to compete and play. I think they'll be great this year, and could potentially see them back in the finals later, but it's going to be tough, because like I said, that West is is tough once again. You got the Clippers, and you got, you know, obviously the Lakers, so I mean, and Utah's right there, I would say back there in the West behind just those two teams. So, I mean, it's going to be tough. The West is always tough. We know there's always good players there. We always know there's a lot that can happen. So, But they're definitely one to watch for. That's who I got at number four. Now, number five, I got Miami. And the Heat down in Miami have now picked up guys like Kyle Lowry, P.J. Tucker, and Markeith Morris. And those are some big, big pickups, I think, for them. You got Kyle Lowry, who finally gives him a true point guard. And Goran Dragic, he was good. But he did not bring that. I it's just a next level of play. Kyle Lowry brings that now. He can be able to score sometimes for you when you need it, and he can also distribute the ball well and just really bring a true point guard to that position and make things easier for Jimmy Butler not having to handle the ball as much, being able to set up guys like uh, Bam Adebayo and make it easier for him down on the block. So that's definitely some big influence when it comes to Kyle Lowry coming there. But for me, I think the biggest thing for for Miami is these two things right here. I think this is really going to make or break their season. And I think I don't think this one really breaks it. I think this is just really a big help is PJ, the P.J. Tucker signing. Because we all know Jimmy Butler, great defender, and probably one of the top, I'd say top four, top three defenders in the league. And when that happens, when you're the better defender in the league and you don't have anybody else on your team that can really match up with someone, say, like LeBron or, you know, just those type of caliber players that you want to put on them. But at the same time, though, you can't leave them on there for very long stretches because then their offense begins to suffer, especially when they're carrying an offensive load as well. So now with P.J. Tucker there, you definitely give Jimmy Butler the the option to really put someone else up there 
um, one of the better players and be able to give Jimmy Butler a rest where he doesn't have to play both sides of the floor. He can focus on offense. Now, obviously, that depends on what team you're going to be playing, and obviously there's more matchups and stuff like that that go into it. But for that type of scenario, P.J. Tucker really, really helps when it comes to that aspect. And on top of it, it gives them another it gives them another shooter on the outside, allows for more spacing, allows for more opportunities for Kyle Lowry to set up you know, outside shots, allows for more drive and kick because that's where P.J. Tucker likes to go is to that corner. So you've got a guard who's di- – you know, driving to the basket, you got a good kick out for an open three, so that gives them some more shooting to go along with some of the other guards that can be able to shoot a little bit. But so I think that that pickup was absolutely huge for him. Markeith Morris pick pickup, I mean, that was good. It gives them some depth off the bench. Nothing too huge for that, I don't think. But uh, another another big factor for them, like I said, this one could kind of make or break their shot if they're really going to be able to compete in the East or not. Is really going to depend on Victor Oladipo and his health. And just if he's able to get back to a, a higher caliber level of playing. Because we've seen him deal with injuries over the last couple of years. Has never been able to really just get right. He's struggled to be able to ever get healthy. I think the most he's only played, I mean, a couple of games each season over the last couple of years. And the thing is, when he was healthy, he's one of the better defenders. And he was explosive and he was able to score. And if you can give a, you know, put a guy back into the lineup and he's at full health like that and able to play at that level who can give you 20 and, you know, 5 and 5. That's huge. I mean, that's that, that gives you a, basically a four-headed monster there in Miami if he can get healthy. But the question is, can he? Because he just hasn't been able to. So for them, I think that really makes or breaks their season because if Oladipo can get healthy, get back to a you know similar level of play, like I said, it does give them them four to match up against someone like Milwaukee or someone like Brooklyn. But if he's still struggling all year in and out, I mean, it's not going to help him. And at that point, I think if he's in and out, I think your best bet is to, uh, for them, maybe even to trade him or obviously just sit him completely until he can really just get healthy because it just seems like sometimes he's been rushing back a little too quick and he's re-injuring stuff or injuring something else that's compensating for, you know, one muscle is compensating for something else that's injured, that type of scenario. So I would really love to see him get back, though, because he was so exciting to watch. He was so such a high-flying, explosive player being able to he was really starting to really get into the I'd say the prime of his career and then injuries hit and he just hasn't been right since but if he can get healthy and he can get better that's going to be huge for Miami so for me that's really what I think is going to make or break their season and when I say make or break even without him I think they're going to be a really good team that's why I got them at number five and they could still potentially you know shock some people and be able to make a deep run and potentially make it to the finals but that's asking a lot from just those three players because none of those three players and that three-headed monster that they have between Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, and Kyle Lowry, they, they're they not, none of them are just really like top level scores that are just going to blow you away, drop 40, drop 50. You don't have that. So I think with having multiple players that can give you 20, like if you factor in Kyle Lowry, Victor Oladipo, Jimmy Butler, and then Bam, and then you're sitting there and you got a four-headed monster who could give you 20 any night. All four of them put together, that's 80 points right there. And then you got a decent bench with Tyler Hero, and you know, like I said, you got PJ Tucker and Markeith Morris. So you're in business if he's if he's good. If not, like I said, you still got a good season. I just don't think it's next level that they they will really need to be at to be able to beat the top two teams. I think are going to be in the in the East with Brooklyn and Milwaukee. But with that said, I got them at five right now. Now, for the last team, number six, I think this one's going to kind of surprise a lot of different people. And it's not a name that you see this high up. Usually, it's not a name that a lot of people would put high up. Wouldn't have put high up whatsoever a year ago. And obviously, because that's, I mean, 
a year away from this season, but no one would have expected them to get to the level that they were at last season. And I think a lot of people are just saying it's a one-hit wonder type deal, and I really don't think that. And that's the Atlanta Hawks. Last year they were able to go 41-31, and made it all the way to the conference finals, and actually gave Milwaukee some trouble. They ended up losing, and they ended up losing, I mean, pretty you know early on five six games that type of scenario but for them a lot of it boiled down to Trey Young's health he was he got injured in game two game one game two and he's just I mean he's basically there he was their offensive player who's giving you 30 35 a night just having an absolutely unreal playoffs and he goes down obviously that really hurts you against a you know championship caliber team so for them though they I mean they were able to beat teams that no one expected you I mean you beat Philadelphia no one expected that so just to see them be able to to beat some of the teams they did it gave them some experience in the playoffs it allowed us to see growth from some of their younger players like Trey Young John Collins and it was really nice to see Clint Capella really get squared around and actually play like a real big man and give them an option down there on the block and be able to give them some second chance points. And so for them, I think that's why that's exactly why I got them at number six right now for me is because for them, they're bringing everybody back. Their whole core is pretty much here. And the one weakness that I really saw that really hindered them at times was that backup point guard spot. Because a lot of times when Trey Young was hurt, they'd have to slide Bogdanovich over, the shooter, to really help manage some of the point position because they didn't have anybody. And yeah, you had Lou Williams coming off the bench, but he's more of a, I would say, a two guard because he likes to score, he likes to spot up for you know for shots, that type of that type of gameplay. He's not really a facilitator, and neither is Bogdanovich. But that's just the role that he had to play, and he didn't do a bad job with it. It's just he's not a true point guard, and so for them, they were able to go get Delon Wright and be able to give themselves a backup point guard to really help take care of that situation if some, you know, scenario happens and just to give, you know, Trey Young a break when he needs one because there was times last year, I mean, in, in the playoffs where Trey Young would come out and the offense would kind of just really drop a level because his production wasn't there and they went and have a facilitator. So you were having John Collins pulling up for mid-range three-point shots. Capella wasn't getting the ball deep on the block like he needed to. I mean, you just had situations like that. You don't have the ball movement that you need, so... For them, like I said, for me, I really feel like this is a season with them adding that another year of growth, having that experience now. Kind of the same situation that is go that is going on in Phoenix. I think the only difference here is they don't have that that veteran player like they do with Chris Paul. So I think that hurts them a little bit not having that type of veteran player who is still I would say, you know, one of the better players in the league, top 20, top 25 in the league. You don't have that. You do have Trey Young, who's obviously, I would say, top, easily top 12 player in the league. But the thing is, he's just, he doesn't, he's not older. He's not seasoned, you know, not a seasoned veteran. He's still earlier part of his career. So, but for them, adding, adding this experience, their mindset really changed in the second half of the season after the firing of Lord, Lloyd Pierce. And they really went more to a defensive mindset and was really able to just change how they played, and I think that helped. The offense has obviously been always high-flying, been able to shoot the ball. So I think you'll see the same offense. Defense, I think, is be better, even better this year than it was in the second half of last season. I think that's a big step for them if they can do that as well. So if they can do that, I really see Atlanta being able to – you can see them at a three or four seed. I really think so. And if they get into the playoffs, they might be able to give some of these other teams trouble, you know, in later round, second round, that type of scenario. So – I really like how they look, and I like I said, that's why I got them at number six. Going to keep them at number six, obviously. Like I said, a lot can happen, but I'm sticking to it for right now, and we'll see what happens when the season rolls around. But for today, that is it on the NBA season preview. That's my six top, my top six teams right there for you. 
that you can look at and you know kind of just get an idea and get a feel of how these these teams are going to shake up to start the season and obviously next week we will have our predictions on you know stuff like playoffs seeding championship you know cont- you know who's going to win the championship the MVP defensive player of the year that type of scenario will give you a idea of who we think's got that that won't take as long but um this week just really wanted to give go ahead and give you that the last three teams that we had in our top six for now but that's what you can look forward to season's not far away definitely looking forward to seeing some good basketball it's been a couple months already now but be interesting to see some of these other teams play i'm looking forward to seeing teams like golden state play with now being able to get clay thompson back situation going on in philly you know we had uh Ben Simmons finally report to to training camp, even though he didn't want to. Obviously, that's probably a paycheck scenario just to come in and get his check. They're still looking to trade him, so interested to see how well Philadelphia shakes out this year. Um, Dallas interested to see if Luka Doncic can continue to improve, and uh, just a, I mean just a lot of good basketball that's going to be played this year. I think a lot of teams that can obviously have potential. That's just not my top six, but like you like I'm you know just pointing some of these teams out and some good basketball that's going to come at them but with that said anyways going to switch over well like I said not really going to switch over this is going to be that one that kind of bleeds the line kind of shows you well it kind of talks about sports and politics and you'll really see how that really bleeds the line what I'm talking about and then it comes down to I just I just told you about it a few minutes ago when we were talking I was talking about some of these other teams it's the Kyrie Irving situation and what's been going on with that and it's been obviously not something you want to see but it was something that Obviously, we knew, or if you've been paying attention whatsoever, that was going to happen at some point. You were going to have a player that wasn't going to go along with it. I mean, you got a ton of players in the league. Not everyone's going to just sit back and accept a mandate where they have to put something in their body that they don't want. And you have a couple of players that, for them, it's not as bad because they're in markets where they don't have to worry about it, like you know Jonathan Isaacs and Bradley Beal, where they're not in situations where their areas that they're in has these mandates where if they don't have the vaccine, they can't play in home games. So you don't have that situation with some of these players. But for Kyrie Irving, he's in an unfortunate situation where he's in, he's playing for Brooklyn. And right there, they're kind of lumped in all that with that area when it comes to New York and their vaccine mandates that they have in place. And so that type of venue, being able to play at home, wasn't going to be allowed without the vaccine. And he obviously has already said he wouldn't take it. And this has just been a whole long running mess because at first he wasn't allowed to practice he wasn't going to be able to play he wasn't he just wasn't going to be able to do to I mean wasn't going to be able to play a home game so at that point it just looked like he was just going to be able to play away games Steve Nash you know talking the head coach there talking about how they would just adjust and you know figure it out as they went and then it switched over to okay well he's going to be allowed to practice because that's a private office the you know the Nets practice facility he'd be able to practice so he would be able to practice and play away games at least so they could be able to work out how they're going to have two different sets and then today we find out that the GM or the I mean the owner Whatever his name, his last name is Marks. I can't remember his exact name. Sorry, I'm kind of blanking on it right this second. But, anyways, has announced that they are not going to allow Kyrie Irving to be a part of the team unless he's going to be fully on board and be able to, you know, be a fully available player, is in their words. So, since he's not been, since he was not, he's decided to not get the vaccine. They have said he's not allowed, and Kyrie Irving continued to say that he was not going to get it. He still refuses to get it. And so to take stuff even a step further after that, that was just, I mean, a couple of days ago that happened. And then just last night, 
we end up finding out that they've announced that they're no longer even looking to give him a contract extension anymore, which effectively means that they no longer see him as a long-term player there in Brooklyn. So, at this point now, you have Kyrie Irving, who has now said once again that he, through sources that we've seen from The Athletic and uh, Fox News, people like this that have gotten through these sources that I've seen from, have said that Irving has still said that he's not going to take the vaccine, that he believes that is his choice. He shouldn't have to be forced or coerced into getting something like this, and that he intends to use this and take a stand for those who do not have the option or do not have the means to be able to speak out themselves or don't have a choice. And so for this, he, I mean, he has a choice and he's using it, but at the same time, though, if he wanted to, you know, to actually be able to work and do his job like he's supposed to, he didn't have a choice because obviously that was seen. Because if he didn't get the the vaccine, like they said, they just weren't going to keep him. No contract extension. You don't play this year. You don't get paid. That that type of scenario. So he's already said that he's willing to not get it to make sure that he takes a stand and is a voice for others when it comes to the situation. Says that people should not have to decide if they're going to take a vaccine or keep their job. And he's completely right. I mean, I'm not totally... I mean, I would be the first one to tell you, you can't look to athletes for everything. Some people always want to know LeBron's opinion on what's going on or want to know Kevin Durant's opinion on what's going on in political realms. So you can't you can't ask them for stuff like that because that's not their realm. That is not something that they do. They're not politicians. They're sports players. They're basketball players. You don't ask Tom Brady about politics because it's not he's not a politician. He's an NFL quarterback. I mean, that's just the type of scenario it is. But this it exactly boils down to them. This boils down to his job and what he's allowed to do and what he's not allowed to do. This is his personal choice to take the vaccine and not work or take the vaccine and be able to work. And obviously it really wasn't a choice because the NBA is not giving you a choice. I mean, that's just, I mean, the Brooklyn Nets are not giving him a choice. I mean, that's just seen. They say, we, you know, we support your choice. That's what we keep hearing from the organization. We support his choice, but we're not going to allow him to play if he's not fully, you know, fully vaccinated. That's, that's not giving someone a choice. That's taking that away from him and saying, if you don't take it, if you do not take this vaccine that we're telling you you have to get, you're not allowed to work, not allowed to support your family, not allowed to do your job. Your career is basically over here, and that'll just be the end of it. That's not that's not choice. That's not a choice. You say it's a choice, but that's not. The choice that he made, he just took himself completely out of that scenario, and he's made the choice for himself to still not get it. That's the difference. And no one should be forced to be able to take something and put something in their body that they don't want. And for this, like I said, this is their realm. This is affecting him. And so this is something that I was excited to see. And I hate it for him, the scenario that's happening. But finally being able to see someone on the grand, the big stage, someone that's a star player, someone that has a lot of pool, has a lot of followers, has a lot of, I would, I would just say, a big platform, is finally stepping up and saying, I'm not doing it. I'm not being a part of it. I believe in choice. I believe in the people's ability to decide what goes in their body and what's not. And I'm going to stand up for those who don't have a voice and are continually being violated by people forcing this on them even though they don't want it. And so with that, it gives, it shows other people, it shows other people that are scared to stand up about, you know, their choice that are, I would say, either top level players or are, I would say, what I call quote unquote stars talking about in other sports or, you know, Hollywood movies, that, that type of stuff able to, you know, give them the confidence to potentially stand up as well against these mandates that are being forced in some of the areas that they're in and say enough's enough because 
I mean, it's just ridiculous. You can't force people who to to get a vaccine that hasn't even been tested, but over I mean a year's length of time, and just tell them they have to get it or they can't work their job or they can't they can't live life. They can't be a part of normal life. I mean, that's absolutely insane. That's a violation of I would say the Constitution, and obviously I think that'll be proven in court when a lot of this stuff gets taken, like the new OSHA laws that are that Biden swears are in effect, even though he hasn't, you know, even made a mandate for it yet or made an executive order for it yet. Um, but that's for another discussion. But you can't force people to do this stuff, but here they are. So I think at some point this will be decided in court, this type of stuff, and I hope it happens. But for now, we got to be able to have more people that continue to stand up at it for the time being because this stuff that's going to be decided in court, whether it's religious exemptions, not you know making 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 sure some of this stuff is not legal when it gets to court, that type of stuff, it's going to take a while. I mean, some of it's probably you're looking at maybe a year, year and a half for some stuff, six, seven months. It's not something that's just going to be decided within the next three or four months. And I know a lot of us would be happy if it was decided in the next three or four months because it gives all of us a peace of mind. We get to know where we're going and what we're doing. And obviously, like I said, I fully expect a lot of this stuff like Biden's new laws that he's trying to put in through with OSHA and that type of stuff. I fully expect that stuff to be shot down. And I think that's obviously why he hasn't put that stuff in play because he knows it's unconstitutional and they have no chance of it standing. Same reason why they won't mandate it for the illegal immigrants coming over the border. Because they know they don't have the constitutional power to do that. It's just something, basically coercion, trying to force these companies into doing it. And a lot of it they're buddy-buddy with because we all know a lot of these these top-tier companies, they're obviously real close, tight with the Democrats. And obviously they say do something, they'll jump on it and do it. So I think, like I said, that stuff's going to take a while to finally get all this stuff to come into fruition and finally be able to see it. Like I said, I fully expect to see it shot down by the top courts. I think this is something that will probably eventually get to the Supreme Court level. So, like I said, that's, that takes time. It's got to go through other courts. It's got to get elevated. All that type of scenario has got to play out. So, I definitely fully expect to see that. But for now, like I said, that's a ways off. For now, we got to be able to do stuff for the time being. And so, with that said, with people like Kyrie Irving doing stuff, that's great. That's on a personal level. We have to be able to see more of that from more people like him that has pull, that has followers, that has a platform. We need to see more of that from other people. But at the same time, though, for the people that can't do nothing about it, we need to see our politicians that we elected, Republican governors, people that are in power that can do stuff about it at a state level, need to continue to act. And I have to applaud Greg Abbott in Texas for being able to do this and doing it forcefully and making a point that this is basically a pushback completely against Biden's new laws. In Texas, just the other day, Greg Abbott announced that they are going to basically buy he said by executive order and it was he signed it into a you know it's in effect now that no entity in the state of texas can be able to force the covid vaccine on anybody can't be mandated it is a choice and no one from business state government anything like that local government none of that can be able to force it on you which obviously does not coincide whatsoever with biden's does not coincide whatsoever with biden's new mandate that he is putting in effect you know that he keeps saying that you know all these companies are going ahead and acting because it's in you know into an effect and all that they said that they're getting the the rest of it ready expect osha to be able to start you know putting it in place finding people that type of scenario so anyways it's not an effect but obviously this goes right up against it. it says we're not allowing it here in texas we're going to fight back for the people that are here that don't want it that should have the choice to not get it if they do not want it and this is exactly the type of stuff that we need to see from all the other red state governors all across the country. 
And I know some states have some stuff that's in that's in play. Where I'm at in the the Alabama Georgia area, in Alabama they got one that bans vaccine passports for you know from from I would what is it? It's from stores and you know that type of stuff from businesses. They can't not give a service to someone if they if they aren't vaccinated, but employers can still make people get the vaccine. So like I said, you have some of that stuff over here in Georgia. It's state government can't mandate the vaccine for people. So there's still some areas in there where people can force it and can mandate it for other people. There shouldn't be mandates for this type of stuff because it's just illogical and it goes against everything from choice, anything like that. When have we, I mean, I think there's only a select few jobs and it's usually healthcare workers, this type of stuff where they've been given They've been having to, you know, force a flu shot or given a mandate for a flu shot. You know, get your flu shot. You know, it's something that's required, that type of deal. You don't have that in the 90% of these jobs. You're not having it for fast food restaurants. You're not having it for retail stores. You don't have that type of stuff for those places. And so what makes this any difference? Especially for something that hasn't even been tested for as long as something like a flu shot has been tested for. And so with that said though we have to be able to have stuff in effect to be able to push back against this type of stuff and you got to applaud greg, greg abbott for being able to push back against this new osha laws and stuff that is going to go into effect eventually i guess whenever they decide to get around to it if they do because once again like i said i don't feel like they have the constitutionality to be able to do that and so like i said i think one or two things is going to happen if it does go into effect you see it go to courts it gets struck down it's going to take a while but at least you have states being able to fight back against this type of stuff for now and then two like I said, the other one could be that they just obviously realize that they don't have any constitutionality in putting these new laws into place. It's a bluff. They've got these companies now that are forcing it on their employees. And with that said, you now have vaccination rates that have gone up somewhat in some of these places. And you got others where their workers just are fired from their jobs and they're not working at these already left-wing com- you know, companies that are now even more left-wing that have forced it. So basically it just what's the right word it basically reinforces what these companies are about and they're it's basically becoming an echo chamber type deal and i think that's a lot what they want because they don't want any pushback in these type of these type of areas no one wants right-wing people trying to push back against left-wing people at you know a company like disney or apple for that scenario you, they don't want that so the less people that are in it it makes it easier for them they can just reinforce what they want they can go crazy with that type of stuff and it also keeps conservatives out of that type of that type of type of uh, sector where they're just they have no say in that type of stuff so like i said applause to greg abbott we need more of this type of stuff like i said i don't even know if they're if like i said what i was talking about with that whole scenario biden may think that they don't even have the constitutionality to do it and they may just be bluffing they may not even do it type deal and they're just trying to get you know see who they can force into doing it beforehand before it even goes into effect so that'll be interesting to see play out but last I heard, there was an update that, the, I mean, the way they keep talking like it's already in effect, obviously it's not because they have nothing. I heard something that said that they might have laws ready in the next month or so. So that is going to be something that we'll keep an eye on for you and keep you updated with so that way you can figure out what's going on with that. But uh, like I said, got to have more people that are fighting back against that stuff. We need more governors to be able to do this. We need red state governors all across the country to be able to link arms together, be able to come together and say we're not doing it and we're pushing back against this. And I think you're going to see it more. I've heard already heard rumblings in the in uh, Florida that that's, that's already coming eventually, that they're looking at what more they can do because some of these states are not just going to sign an executive order. Some of them are going to... 
uh, go the way of special sessions or just try to sign it, you know, straight into state law. And I think I've heard rumblings coming out of Alabama for that now too. And there's going to be some other states. I'm sure that you'll hear some some of that coming out of, but. I think the reason Greg Abbott went ahead and did the executive order, there's been a lot of talk been going on with some of the companies that are down in Texas mandating vaccines for people and people already losing their jobs. So I think that'll be, I think that was the reason why he did that. And I think that'll be the reason why you see some of these other places possibly wait just to make sure it's completely effective. Once it goes into state law, it's hard to repeal because without having basically someone else being in office being able to repeal that type of stuff and it goes through legislation again so obviously it gets really hard to be able to pull that type of stuff away especially when you're in reinforced red states like you know in alabama or a florida florida now or you know a south dakota that type of stuff where if, even if a democrat does get in he probably doesn't have the ability to have that repeal because he probably doesn't have the numbers to do that so that's why it's important to get that into state law and not just an executive order which can easily be repealed and basically becomes not effective once the governor's term is over with. So that's why it's so important to be able to get this stuff in law. And that's also why it's also when you're looking from a presidential standpoint, why it's a big deal when you see them sign executive orders versus when they actually get this stuff into law. And that's, I mean, that's, that's the big difference. So, uh, like I said, we'll keep you up to date on that. We'll have some more on, on that for you as stuff progresses, because that's, like I said, that type of stuff should be coming up quickly as there is some rumblings of states being able to act, and also those if the OSHA laws do come out, it should be very soon. And, uh, well, let me add this to it real quick. This is the type of way that they think over it, you know, from the Biden administration. You have Jen Psaki that said in her press briefing the other day where she says that federal government overrules the state government. They don't even understand the basic aspects of the how the basic Bill of Rights, Constitution, all that, how it actually works when it comes down to stuff, the whole point of states is to be able to keep the federal government in check. The federal government cannot overrule the states unless it's given directly the power to them from the Bill of Rights, from what they are allowed to have and to be able to control. The thing is, stuff like this, health decisions, completely falls to the states in this matter. They don't care, though. They're going to continue to try to push whatever they want, whatever they can do, no matter if it's unconstitutional. We've already seen this because we already saw them go with the eviction moratorium. Even though the Supreme Court struck it down, they still went ahead and issued it again, waiting for the Supreme Court to strike it down again just so they could buy time, even though they knew it was unconstitutional. So that just goes to show they don't care if it's unconstitutional or not. They're still willing to move forward with it. So for this, like I said... I'm more leaning to the still that they're going to file the OSHA laws, and I still expect them to, you know, see, still expect to see that actually go into effect. And I think that's when you'll have the big fight where it goes to court and all that type of stuff. And like I said, I fully expect it to get struck down. I think that's why they're taking their time and dragging their feet with this because they're trying to see what they can do and what strings they can pull to try and see if it could possibly last. I don't think that matters when you have, you know, a Supreme Court majority of, a, of you know, conservative majority in the Supreme Court. So I, I fully expected to see it struck down later on, but. It's just crazy to see how they think and how they feel like they can just rule by, you know, executive force by, you know, and use the federal government to basically rule like they're, I mean, like tyrants. And that's, but that's the, the way the Democrats think. They think that they should, whatever they say should go and you should just completely abide by it. And they just don't care about the policies that they're putting into effect. And that's why, uh, I mean, you're seeing stuff just go wrong completely because it's not the american way of life they're trying to put something in that has not been any way that we've ever done stuff and it, it just doesn't work and we're seeing that all around the country and people are waking up to it that's why you continue to see biden's approval rating continue to drop he's in the mid-30s now at this point and so 
I think you'll continue to see it drop as inflation continues to rise. You know, to rise, we're now at five point four percent, and that's the highest we've seen since two thousand eight when the last recession hit. So, it's getting worse. I mean, at this point, you could see a recession possibly happening. You got you know shortages everywhere in some places. You got ports backed up. <clears throat> you got, I mean, just all types of problems. And here you go. I've got a report for you now coming out of Fox News that shows that they have some of the immigration papers that have come down from the southern border shows that there has now been released into America up to 160,000 immigrants, illegal immigrants, released into U.S. mainland since just this March, this past March. That means just in a short span of seven months, we've had 160,000 people that they have on file. That's not even including some of the people that they probably just waved on by as they went through. So, I mean, I fully expect you could see upwards to 300,000 in the U.S. mainland already. And we got a huge caravan that's on its way to the southern border right now that we know they're probably just going to wave on through and allow them to come through. They might get checked and then released back into the you know mainland, even though they, once again, like I said violating the laws of America where they've already had a federal judge tell them they have to reinstate Trump's remain in Mexico policy. They continue to not abide by that and do whatever they want. They have nothing checking them, checking their power. And like I said, it's just absolutely ridiculous the stuff that we're seeing that continues to be allowed and see how they continue to push the envelope with what they're doing. But, I mean, this is absolutely crazy. And that's what I keep telling people. There is a plan behind it. It's not like they're just letting these people in because they feel sorry for them. It's because they want to be able to get amnesty in for these people, be able to get a pathway to citizenship put in some way, somehow, through legislation or through their $3.5 trillion, uh, $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. So that way they can have these people become U.S. citizens so that they can vote for them later on. It's all a power grab for them. Everything they're doing is a power grab. I mean, they set themselves up, and I mean, that's, that's, that's what this is all about, remain in power, and they don't care if the American people are hurt in the process, because you have people like this that come, illegal immigrants come in, they start working here, and these businesses will hire these illegal immigrants because obviously they can pay them lower wages, and so what that does is it puts American people out of, out of jobs, but it also puts wages even lower, so now American citizens that are working, the wages are lower because they're about the same level now, so... Cheap labor, obviously, they're gonna pay. Not gonna pay you anything, anything more because what? Just because you're an American citizen, they can just go pick up the next illegal that walks through the door. I mean, that's just how it works, and that's why some of these companies don't care. They're not saying anything about the immigration policy because they know they can get cheap labor when they come through, and so that's just stuff that doesn't get talked about enough. And I mean, it's just absolutely mind blowing to see these numbers that continue to pour across our border and continue to, to. I mean, just come in illegal. I mean, that's the whole point. Everything that they do illegal. It's all illegal. It's, I mean, it's, they don't care, though, that it's illegal. They just usher it on through, and they'll continue to do it until we have more and more people that stand up to them and continue to push back against their absolute craziness. And it's a good start today when we see people like Kyrie Irving, we see people like Greg Abbott continue to stand up to, against these tyrants and say, all right, we're not doing it anymore. We're standing up against you, and we're ready to, we're ready to fight back in whatever way we got to be able to do it. So, with that said, though, it was uh, a good episode, I would say. had a lot of information, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. But with that said, we will have a preview and prediction for College Football article that will come out tomorrow at 10 o'clock in the morning. And we will have that out and let you see the top, I'd say, about four games. I think we're only going to have four this week again. Uh, four games of the week, give you our you know preview for each game, give you our prediction so you can 
have an idea of what's going on before you see the games coming up this Saturday. We'll obviously have our preview and prediction podcast episode that will come out Saturday at 8 o'clock where we will break down those four games that we talk about and kind of just give you, you know, like I said, give you an idea of what's going to happen, kind of break it down a little bit more in depth than we can through just an article. And so with that said, though, I hope you join us for or join us reading the article also join us for that episode on saturday but with that said i got something that i want to say it's either going to be monday or it's going to be thursday like i said thursday the episode on uh on the nba the predictions on what's going to happen for the season that's going to be a little bit shorter so either monday or thursday expect a special coming up from a big event that a lot of people don't want to talk about. The news doesn't talk about it, period. There's only a select few conservative groups that talk about it, and it's something that every single one of you need to know. And it's coming to fruition right in front of us, and we need to know about it and what they're planning to do. So with that said, though, be ready for that. I'm not going to tell you what it is because you need to be able to come back and be able to watch it and be able to hear it for yourself. So with that said, though, thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you in the next one.